Welcome to Franchise Marketing Radio, brought to you by SEO Samba, comprehensive high-performing marketing solutions for mature and emerging franchise brands. To supercharge your franchise marketing, go to seosamba.com. That's S-E-O-S-A-M-B-A dot com. Lee Cantor here, another episode of Franchise Marketing Radio, and this is going to be a good one. Today we have with us Kelly Gray with Rapid Fire Pizza and Hothead Burritos. Welcome, Kelly. Hi, Lee. How are you today? I am doing great. Um, before we get too far into things, why don't we talk about your work at Hothead Burritos? How are you serving folks there? Okay. Uh, well, Hothead Burritos has been around since 2017. Um, actually, we're surviving the uh, COVID crisis fairly well after the initial uh, dip and people feeling a little more secure in what's going on. So we're, we're really happy with uh, the success of the brand. We've got about uh, 76 locations in eight states on the Hothead side. Um, Added a added a curbside pickup uh, as a result of COVID, which we kind of expect that's going to be a, a long-term uh, play for us in Hothead. Yeah, I'm sure that's going to stick around, I would say, for yeah. the next uh, year or so. Yeah, I think so. And um, that's funny how these kind of crises, they, they create these sometimes an opportunity where, um, you know, things can work out better than, than it may look like it would in, on paper. So that's good to see how you've adapted so quickly. Yeah, so we're really lucky because we had adopted online ordering a couple of years ago. So we were in a really good position to be able to really, you know, push that full force. And we have a lot of people taking advantage of that. Um, you know, we have, you know, double digit um, increases on our online ordering usage right now. Yeah, that's what the customer just wants to feel safe. And if you have good systems on your part and make it easier for them to get what they want, then everybody wins. Yes. Now, um, when you're expanding uh, Hothead, uh, what does your franchise, the good franchisee look like for you guys? So we have um, really kind of a, a two paths that we look at. One, we're looking for a multi-brand franchisee who um, has other brands and who's looking to diversify their portfolio. Um, they understand the systems of a franchise and the procedures, and they tend to be a, a great partner for us. And then we also um, like what I'd kind of consider like a mom and pop operator where they're really putting their heart and soul into uh, their location, and, and they gen, uh, generally tend to do a fewer number of stores where a multi-brand operator is going to look to get to five to ten stores fairly quickly. Now, um, you have hothead burritos, but you also have rapid-fired pizza. Um, are people buying those in combination? Are they, like, opening up side to side? Is there an advantage from a real estate standpoint to do something like that? Mm-hmm. So Rapid Fire Pizza is the younger brand. It was founded in 2015. We do have several of our hothead franchisees who are also rapid fired franchisees. Uh, we only have uh, in the chain one one of those operators who has them truly side by side, but not uh, like with a shared dining room or anything. So it's definitely an opportunity. And again, for those people who are multi-brand operators who've maybe built out their market 
in a specific city that they're in, um, there's a great opportunity for them to be a franchisee for both of our brands. And then that way they can use their um, personnel um, and management to cover you know the same geographical area, but just with more locations. Now, your background's in um, real estate. Can you share maybe some advice when a franchisee is buying or, or leasing their location? What are um, what's some things that they can avoid and maybe do, take advantage of? Sure, sure. You know, a lot of people feel like, you know, if they're going to, you know, do any kind of a, a franchise, you know, especially restaurants, that they have to own their real estate location. And, and that is, is really not the case. You know, personally, we operate 25 restaurants between the two brands, and we only own the real estate on two of them. And and really, those are kind of more legacy type locations. And going forward, you know, we prefer to put our capital into opening restaurants, not into owning real estate because of the additional capital requirement for down payments. Um, but the, the thing that I would really recommend is to, um, to truly understand or have a picture of who your customer is and way, where they're at and, you know, what their daily patterns are. You know, is this a, you know, is it, you know, breakfast, lunch, or dinner? You know, what's their traffic pattern? Are they coming home? Are they going to work? And as you're looking at your real estate, you know, you want to have easy access you want to, you know, be where the people are. You want to make it as easy as possible um, for the customer to get to you. If you're a, a dinner type location, you don't want to be on the going to work side of the road because you have to cross too much traffic to, to get to the location. So that's really important. Um, other things that I see is is really understanding the cost of your rent is extremely important. One, you can't take to rent too high, kind of the rule of thumb is your rent um, and occupancy cost total should be about 8% of what your projected sales are. Um, so you want to keep that in mind um, as far as where you think your projected sales are going to be and, and what the actual rent is. And then two, don't try to save a dollar or two a square foot and take a, uh, a, sub, a subpar location that's you know, one street off where there's less traffic and less people are going to see you. And of course, signage is king. Now, is there um, any strategy with who else is in the center that you're in? You know, um, every brand, and again, from my real estate experience, you know, for example, I, I had a lot of people who, who love to be on a Walmart pad. Um, for us, you know, grocery anchored type centers, um, don't necessarily bode the highest average unit volumes for our stores. Uh, and the reason that is, in my opinion, would be because when people are going to the grocery store, they're going to the grocery store. A lot of times they won't stop and eat ahead of time. And once you leave the grocery store, well, now I have groceries. I can't stop and eat because my groceries will get hot or cold, um, you know, depending on the, depending on what time of year and where, and where you're located at. Um, so, you know, we like to be, um, for our brands, kind of between the uh, residential, the retail, and the office. That seems to work well for, for our brands. And, you know, on the, on the leasing side of it, you know, we try to tie our, our sites up for a long period of time with, with options. So have an initial term and then have options to renew. So that way, if it's a good performing store, you stay and you renew your option at a specified price, preferably. Um, sometimes that's a little difficult to negotiate. 
And then, um, and if it's not a loca good location, it just isn't performing the way that you expected it to, you take your equipment and you relocate to a different, to a different store. Now, um, when a person is considering partnering with your organization, is that something that you're like, how, how much do you help them when it comes to this? Um, we, we like to, we help our people a lot. You know, one, we, um, are going to, uh, assist with the real estate, um, selection. You know, ultimately it's the franchisee's, um, decision, but we are going to, um, there are some locations we just will not approve, but as a general statement, you know, they're going to look at it. They're going to make the financial decision. If the rent is going to make sense, we're going to help counsel them that, Hey, you know, based on this rent number, you know, your sales have to be this and it does or does not fall in what our current stores are doing. Um, so we have a pretty good, you know, um, templates that they can work from. We're going to help them through the construction process. We help them with their initial store openings. We have, you know, a 400 plus page online um, training and operation manual that they can reference whenever they need it to. Um, it, you know, we do the research and development for, for new products uh, and we're really available seven days a week you know we have an on uh we have on staff uh, it department to help with any kind of um pos issues that that our franchisees may be having in addition to the contracts that we have with our pos providers and that kind of support is some of the reasons that people choose franchising as a kind of a a, a growth model right because you're there to help them they don't have to go it alone they don't have to have the learning curve of some of these things that you guys are doing every day. Exactly. They don't have to go source, you know, um, all their proteins, the napkins, the tables, the chairs, but, you know, down to the, the most minute detail, we take care of that for them. You know, we try to make our systems extremely simple. Uh, we like all of our, food and paper products and everything to come in on, on one truck. So that way it, it's as easy as possible for the franchisee. We have templates for staffing. If your store is doing this volume, you know, here's a scheduling template. So that way you can plan for the number of employees that you should have to keep your labor and your food costs in check. Now, um, you mentioned that there's a, a couple different types of potential franchisees. You have like kind of, I'll call them the empire builders that are kind of having a portfolio of multiple uh, franchises and kind of uh, have maybe a larger vision of what this could be. And then there's some of the, maybe the mom and pop, maybe this is a second act or maybe they are, uh, got laid off and now they're looking for a new adventure, a new uh, way to generate uh, revenue for themselves. What are some of the things that each of those people should be thinking uh, when it's when they're deciding what's the appropriate franchise? Um, you know, some of the the most important questions I think that that people should think about when franchising. Well, first, should you franchise? Should you get into a franchise? Because you do have to file follow systems. You're paying a fee for it, but you know they're helping you through the process. So can can you follow the rules? And and if you can, then you should analyze any of the franchises that you're looking for on a couple of different items. One, how many stores do they have open? How many have they sold? And then how many have they closed? So you know a brand may have a hundred stores open, but three hundred and fifty 
franchise is sold, why why do they have those 250 that haven't opened yet? So, you know, are they just there to sell franchises? Are they there to help you get your business open? And, and for us, we want to help people get their businesses open. We don't want to just sell a franchise. Um, you want to analyze between the different franchises you're looking at, you know, what's the advertising fee that you're going to be charged and how much of that is going to be spent in your local market. Um, very important, especially the smaller the franchise is, that you need to have money spent in your local market um, to make sure the customers can find you. You know, most franchises, of course, you know, if you want to spend more money, that's great. But as an operator, you want to keep your cost in check. You would like to put a little bit of money in your pocket at the end. So you want to make sure that they're going to help you with with advertising and marketing in your local in your local area. Um, also, that you want to really understand that the support that's available, the you know, opening support, how many hours or how many people are they going to supply you to help you open your store? You know, what's the daily? What's the monthly communications? You know, we have a, a monthly franchise call with all of our franchisees, and we also do a, a monthly newsletter. And, and on, our, on our personal stores, you know, we do a monthly newsletter for our, fran for our employees where we want to communicate the operation updates that have happened over the past 30 days. So everybody understands and is doing things in the same manner. Um, you also want to look at a, when you're looking at a franchise, what their food and labor percentages are, and um, also what's included in their um, their food cost. You know, when we um, talk to a potential franchisee and we quote our food costs, we include you know paper, plastics, and chemicals in that. And a lot of brands don't. Um, and I think it's really important. To, to understand what your cost of operations are because, you know, just those papers, plastics, chemicals, and that, I mean, that can be two or 3%. And that's a, that puts you in a different, um, a, a different range if you're looking at a, at a business plan and trying to figure out if you can make money with the franchise. Um, you want to understand what the um, technical and uh, help that they're going to give you as far as like the, the POS and, and online support that they might be giving and, and are they handling your social media um, in addition to your advertising? Are they monitoring your Facebook page? Are you having to monitor your Facebook page? Can you post to a Facebook page for your particular store? Um, some brands allow it and some brands do not. Uh, and then finally, to really look at um, the average unit volume for a franchise, uh, every franchise is required to provide a, a franchise disclosure document or an FDD, and uh, we call it the, uh, the the section is called the item 19, and that kind of gives you the averages of the stores. You know, we have to kind of work within guidelines and how we can present that information, but that's your best indication of you know where your store might fall within you know in, in a sales volume. I, I would never expect. Um, if, if I was going to be a franchisee that I could be in the top, you know, five or 10%, I mean, I want to be in the top five or 10%, but you know, I'm a little more conservative when I'm investing my money. So I'm going to say, okay, if I did the average, where's that going to put me? Can I make money with this rent? Can I make money with that food cost and that labor cost? Now, um, when you're, you're kind of uh, deciding if someone's the right fit for your enterprise, is this something that you want someone that's the boots on the ground that is in the store? 
Or is this, can a person be an absentee owner and then put managers in place? So with our, with our brands, we will allow uh, an absentee owner. Now we do have a requirement that whoever your, um, whoever your operations person is, that they have to come to training. We prefer that the franchisee come also, but there are some, especially those larger multi-brand operators where, you know, they, they're going to have a, you know, call it a, a president or a regional manager or a brand manager that, you know, is going to be involved um, with that. But uh, we will allow a, a non-operator uh, franchisee. I can tell you that the more um, removed they are from the operations, um, we see that that negatively affects the sales. Having someone who's actively looking and actively involved, you know, in the franchise to some degree really helps the sales. So now, so in an ideal manner, they'd be kind of involved in the community, kind of plugged in, you know, know who the high school f- football coaches and, you know, kind of get be kind of in the community and represent the brand in the community in order to really su- to be successful. Yeah, yeah, that they, they need to know what's going on in their communities, but they might have, you know, for for the operator who has let, let's say five stores in some neighboring communities, you know, they may live in one, but you know, a couple of them may be a little bit remote, but you know, the one of our best operators are the people who own five stores and they basically operate as the as a supervisor or a regional manager. So they go into, you know, one store a day or a couple stores a day and they're making sure that their managers have what they need that they're supported, you know, they're overseeing, making sure that they're, the employees are portioning the food correctly and they're not, you know, they're treating the customers nice and, and just all those little things that the more attention to the detail on that, the better success that you're going to have. Right. There's a difference between delegating and advocating. So, uh, you know, they're yeah. still involved yeah. in the, <laughs> in the operations, but they may not be there physically as much as the manager is. Exactly. So now, um, now let's talk a little bit about rapid fire. Is that is the profile the same for a hothead person or the rapid fire person to be a franchisee? Yeah, it's uh, still the, the same. The same. Um, you know, we're looking for the same type operator um, for for both brands. Again, people that are attentive to it. Um, you know, rapid fire because it being a fast casual pizza concept versus a you know more traditional like pizza delivery concept. Um, we look for a little um, denser population areas uh, for a rapid fire. Those seem to perform to perform well, but. Um, the, the great thing about, you know, fast, casual pizza is you can have it for lunch now. It's, there's no more waiting 30 minutes to get a pizza. You know, our pizza's cooking three minutes. So, you know, you walk down the line and they're putting your pizza in the oven and you're, you know, you're out the door in five, six minutes. So it, it's a, a great opportunity for people. And then, you know, one of the um, uh, innovations that we've done with our brand compared to, um, some of our competitors, and we were really a, a first adopter. I like to think that they copied us, but they probably w- wouldn't agree with that. But, you know, we um, came out with a family-sized pizza right away because, you know, if, you, if you've got young children, they don't necessarily need to customize their pizza. And a lot of times little kids just want a cheese pizza. So you get a big cheese pizza for the kids to share. Then mom and dad can get their customized pizza with their 
olives or mushrooms or artichokes or whatever it is that they like customized just the way they want it. So now has the pandemic impacted that? Uh, I know in general, pizza has been doing pretty well in the pandemic. Is the rapid fired model conducive to, um, you know, curbside and all the takeout? Yeah, the, uh, you know, we have the curbside. We have um, our delivery is really through third parties, not through ourselves, like some of the, the larger delivery chains. Um, you know, the rapid fire tends to be a little more like, hey, bring the family in and dine in and have an experience. So, you know, the, the transition between the um, dine in and the carry out ha- has really been a, a little rougher on on rapid fire than it has on hothead. But, you know, the product's great. It, it transports well. And, you know, we have a lot of options besides the pizza, pasta, salads, you know, calzones. So there's really uh, something for everyone. And we have a um, we have a lot of people who follow the keto diet who love rapid fire because we have a, what they call a no dough pizza, which basically is a, is a pizza made in kind of a disposable pizza pan that has no dough and you build it just like a regular pizza and you eat it with a fork and it is amazing. And you don't feel cheated. Like you didn't get to eat pizza. You feel full and, and that you really are satisfied and the people following the keto um, paleo type diets, not quite paleo, but they, they really like it. Good stuff. So what's the most rewarding part of the job for you uh, nowadays? Is it, you know, onboarding a new franchisee? Is it making the sale? What's the part that gets you fired up? You know, I love when we have a franchisees whose stores, they just, that they're really working in their store and they're building their sales on a consistent basis. And then, you know, before you know it, hey, they're buying a new house or they're buying a new car, and then we're improving that their lifestyles. And when they really embrace it, and then they're able to help their managers improve their lifestyles. I mean, that's really you know what it's all about. I mean, we we love growing our our, our you know our store count. That's great, but we really want people to you know have a good life and and make money, you know, and have fun doing it and and not struggle. Amen to that. Now, um, the (laughs) pandemic has uh, caused a lot of uncertainty for a lot of folks, but the franchise world tends to benefit when this is happening. Are you finding that a lot more people are inquiring about the opportunity? We have a lot of our existing franchisees are looking to add additional stores. We are having a lot of uh, franchise inquiries. The little bit of a challenge that we're having right now with the space that we're in, which is restaurants, um, we are on um, both brands. We're an SBA approved franchise, so you can get an SBA loan um, to do one of our concepts. Um, but but the lending environment is is really tightening due to the pandemic, and um, the most recent um, uh, responses that I've got from franchisees and potential franchisees is the requirement for additional capital down payments uh, from the bank, whereas you know 20% used to be sufficient for you know your full cost of build out. Uh, I'm hearing 30 to 40%. So wow. that will impact. Everybody, not just us, that's going to impact a lot of growth for franchises because that, you know, if I have to put down 40%, well, wow, that used to be, I could have got two stores for what I have to put down in cash for one. Yeah, that's, that's nuts. Um, That's crazy. 
Uh, so that does mm-hmm. create challenges, but I, but so on one hand, there's a lot more inquiries, but then now it's more challenging to get the funding in order to, to pull it off. That's, that's tough. Yes. Yes. So now yeah. so- for the, for the, for existing restaurant operators, it, it's an, uh, it's a little easier go, but if you, if you're the person who just got laid off and you're wanting to take your severance and get into the restaurant business, it's just going to require a little more capital or, you know, maybe, you know, a little bit of partnerships um, with friends or family to kind of help get you over the finish line. Right. You have more creativity, I guess, in that regard. Now, um, if somebody wanted to learn more about the opportunity for either Rapid Fired or Hothead, uh, what are the websites? So uh, hotheadburritos.com and Rapid Fired with a D. I always like to say rapidfiredpizza.com, and you can get information. Um, You can inquire on franchises. You can look at our locations. Um, We also have uh, both brands have a nutrition calculator, so for people who are really conscientious on what they're eating, you can go on there to a nutrition calculator and plug in exactly what you're going to have and know how many calories, how many fat grams, what kind of sodium you're looking at for everything. Good stuff. Well, Kelly, thank you so much for sharing your story today. Thank you very much for having me, Lee. All right. This is Lee Cantor. We'll see you all next time on Franchise Marketing Radio. 